Hi, welcome to the Back to One podcast with Riley Eggy and CJ Arnold. In this episode, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Paul Sano Chun. Paul is a sessional lecturer at St. Michael's College in the University of Toronto. He's the author of God at the Crossroads of Worldviews, and most recently, he's the host of the podcast, What Do You Mean God Speaks? Hey, Paul, welcome to the podcast. I'd like to just jump into our first question, which is, why did you start your podcast? What do you mean God Speaks? All right, so I think I mentioned this before, um, but that question actually um, has two answers, two distinct answers. One is, uh, what's the purpose of the podcast, right? That's the more, um, I suppose, objective uh, answer. And then there's the more personal um, answer, which is, why did I start the podcast? So um, let's start with the with the stated purpose of the podcast then. So if you visit my podcast, What Do You Mean God Speaks? Uh, and say with Apple and look at the series description, um, the most recent one will say, um, this series will, what did I say? Reconstrue and retell key Christian ideas insights and stories for the skeptics who want to understand religion, Christians who have questions about their own beliefs, and everyone in between. So let me unpack that. Um, one way to think about it is something like this. So you ever had an experience where uh, you hear two sides arguing, right? Um, say your friends. I mean, these are people you care enough to actually listen to them argue, right? So, uh, so you listen to one side and uh, you hear them out and you're like, yeah, okay, that sort of makes sense. And then you uh, listen to the other side and you hear them out and like, you're like, okay, I see where you're coming from. And then they start arguing and, and you, you follow for a while and then you realize, I don't think they're talking about the same thing. I mean, they are, yeah. or at least they think they are, right? Um, they use the same words. They they are talking about the same topic, apparently. But if you really listen to them, and and since you actually got their arguments, sort of, um, for from the both sides, uh, you realize that they're talking past each other, right? Um, they're not really addressing the the concerns or the points of the other side, and and. If you can speak out and tell them that, hey, I think you're missing the point of this other person. What they mean is something like this, and and hey, if you're um, and what that person is saying is something like this, then then that's fine. But if you can't say anything and you have to sit and listen, it's it becomes quite painful because you realize that the argument, the conversation, really can't end because, um, in a sense, it never began, right? So that's what happens when people with very different worldviews have a conversation and they argue against each other, right? So this is what happens, uh, right. say, when people argue whether there uh, whether there is God, right? Um, and that's actually the subject of my book, uh, God at the Crossroads Worldviews, where um, I point out uh, it's it's a scholarly book. It's it's a book on philosophy, religion, um, where I say one of the reasons why the debate about the existence of God has been um, interminable. It just goes on and on and on. And 
pretty much the same sort of arguments gets repeated, uh, and each side uh, sort of says, well, they don't really, they don't really get the point. Well, the thing is, they have very, very different worldviews, and the uh, the way they uh, way people argue and the points they raise up, uh, it's very different from both sides. So what you need to do. Uh, what I um, what I said in the book is that what you need to do is find a crossroad, and I don't mean find find a common point. What I mean is that you need to be able to speak the language of both sides, uh, and it is very much like language. Um, I had an interview for some other thing where where I talked about the same topic, so I said, uh, think about it sort of like this way: if if you are uh, trying to listen or read an argument, say in Korean, uh, because uh, my family's from Korea, right? Um, and did you ever try to Google translate a, a long, complicated text from another language? And I don't mean like French to English, right? French to English, that's pretty close, right? Say Korean to English, and you try to Google translate that. And you you read this, and you're like, I, I can see some sort of English somewhere there, but I have no idea what it's saying. Okay, so it's something like someone's arguing in Korean, you Google translate it. You don't really get what, what they're saying. So you say, well, that's crazy. And you refer to the Google translation of Korean argument. And then you make your English um, argument. And you Google translate that back into Korean. And the right. Korean looks at it. And they, they're like, I don't know what you're arguing. And what you say I said in Korean, um, that's not what I said. That makes, no, that, that makes no sense at all. Okay, so that's what's going on. So what you need to do is master two languages and then speak. So let me go back to the podcast. So podcast, uh, What Do You Mean God Speaks? is sort of like an extension of what I began with the book. So what I'm trying to do is um, place myself, and I actually was sort of an agnostic uh, during my university years. So place myself in the position of someone who's, say, secular, scientifically skeptical, a humanist, and that sort of thing, and try to look at the Christian worldview from that angle, uh, figure out what the questions are, and place myself back into the Christian position with that previous non-Christian position in mind, and try to retell the Christian ideas and Christian worldview in the ways that would reach out and, and make more sense to to the other side. Right. Now, I also said Christians with questions about their own beliefs. And the, and the reason for that is uh, when I, and I still guest pastor uh, in different churches, uh, common questions and issues come up uh, from Christians, especially from the university age people, right? Uh, and high school. And many of them leave the church. And I had a conversation with, with a number of them. And I realized that a lot of them actually have what's called, a, well, what I described before, a secular, scientifically skeptical, humanist, that kind of thing. And because their framework is that, but they are raised up in churches and they sort of, they love the church. Like a lot of them really do love the church, but their beliefs have a mismatch with their uh, thinking framework. And that's where the questions arise. So I thought to myself, let's have a podcast um, that is able to speak in that language, address some of these questions and ideas, uh, build out a framework in which people can understand the larger Christian story. So the podcast just completed its first season, and the entire first season is basically the prep for us to uh, get to the biblical stories proper, say from Genesis onwards. So that's for the next season. So all of that was the purpose for the 
podcast. Here's why I started the podcast. Um, and to very simply put, I lost a bet with God. <laughs> like that's that's basically it. And yes, you heard that uh, before. Um, so to put a bit more flesh into that story, um, when I was sort of going through these questions and uh, and um, and conversing with people in the church, um, just my book finished uh, published a few years ago. So I was going through all of this, and and I said, uh, well, will this make any difference? Will the book make any difference? I mean, if you know about uh, scholarly books, um, they sit in university libraries and maybe students will pick them up, but it's it's not exactly widely read. So I'm like, okay, will that make a difference? Um, and then the voice of God speaks to me. If you are wondering how that sort of works, um, here's my plug. Um, listen to episode nine and 10 of my podcast. Uh, although you sort of need to listen to the other ones to sort of uh, fully get what I'm trying to do in nine and 10, but that's that's where I talk about it. What do you mean God speaks? That's literally what it is. So so God spoke, right? Um, however that works, that's God spoke. And God said, I want you to put this out on the internet uh, in the form of either a YouTube or a podcast. And I said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Right? <laughs> so I was like, why do you say that to God? Well, well, the thing is, um, and this is how it works. Um, when when you think God sort of speaks from within you, um, a lot of the times you you're not sure. Like unless you're Jesus, right? Like you're you're not you're often not sure. Like is that God, or right. am I just just imagining things? And right. my gut instinct said it's God, but my head said. No, that's the craziest idea I've ever heard. Um, no one's going to listen to the podcast. Uh, no one cares. Um, so that's the cynical side. Um, but, you know, there's that, you know how it works if if you've had those experiences. There's that prodding. So so I said, all right, all right, let's make a bet. Um, there's a series of talks uh, that's inviting uh, people, well, a series of talks that's given to university students. Uh, in my case, at University of Toronto, that's inviting Christian speakers. So this is... Uh, hosted by a Christian organization. And one of them, um, one such uh, conference, I don't know what, you, what to call it, the series, asked me to um, to be a panelist in, in one of the talks in Christianity and Science. And I said, uh, the, I'm probably not very appropriate for that panel. Um, I think the topic was environment and Christianity, uh, environmentalism and Christianity, which is a great topic, but but not something that I would contribute a lot to it. So I said, here's a bet, God. Uh, I have another topic. Um, it's, it's titled um, The Universe, Science, God, and the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which another plug-in, episode four. So, um, <laughs> so I said, if, if they think the kind of topic that I, I will bring up and the material that I, I will speak about is important enough that they will change that plan, um, uh, then then I'll lose a bet. But my bet is that they won't because obviously they have a plan. It's a great plan. Why would they want me to sort of come in and not not even be a panelist, just give a whole talk on a wholly different topic? So I, I answer them and I say, here's my topic and here's what I will be able to do. Um, the panel, great idea, but I don't think I can do that. And I try to sort of gently present the idea that maybe I'm not the speaker for them, right? So um, to conclude, I lost the bet. So I did give that talk. <laughs> and I said, I, I came back to God and I said, okay, so 
So I am going to acknowledge that that was from you. I still think the podcast is a crazy idea, mm -hmm. but I will start. So I started. I started, uh, when did I start? Late December of 2020. So it's been what, uh, three, four months, nearly four months now. So that's the story of my podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. We we love hearing that story. And it is just so relatable because I think we've both kind of experienced that a little bit with having these gut feelings that we think are from God. and But our head, mm. we're just like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I loved about listening to one of your podcast episodes was the way you talk about tolerance. And so we just wanted to ask you, mm. you, you talk about it not being an, a good end goal. So why is tolerance not an acceptable goal for the church? Well, no, I think tolerance is, is a good thing, right? Um, I think I mentioned it in the episode saying that um, historically tolerance meant um, if people have different views from you and they really annoy you, uh, don't kill them, right? That's, that's a good thing. Don't don't kill the people who annoy you. Sometimes you might want to do that, but um, not doing it uh, makes the society a lot better. And we live in a tolerant society and we benefit a lot from that. So tolerance is a good thing. But, um, but as you sort of mentioned, that's not something you want to aim for. And I said, the tol um, I said tolerance is a failed virtue. And by that, I'm, I don't mean that it makes us fail, but rather um, tolerance is what you get when you fail at some higher virtue. So it's, well, what, what's a good metaphor? It's a weird metaphor to use for tolerance uh, and virtue, but say um, a bullet, right? Um, so tolerance is sort of like a shell casing. Um, the bullet is what that what fires, right? And when the bullet fires, you might hit the mark, you might not, but once the bullet fires, the casing falls out, right? I think that's how it works. I'm I'm a Canadian, all right. Guns are not really uh, <laughs> sort of urban Canadian. Um, okay, yeah. Those who live in the countryside, they know what they're talking. I I don't know. And, sure. Um, right, right. Um, oddly enough, uh, my. Korean parents, my, not my parents, my my relatives are most Korean males, I understand, because again, I'm Canadian. Uh, they all go to the army, so they know what they're talking about when they um, talk about rifles. I don't, but whatever, <laughs> bullets. Uh, so once you shoot it, the actual bullet shoots out, casing falls out. So the casing is like a, a byproduct of the shooting. That's not what you aim for. You, you, don't, you, don't try, you don't go to a gun store to buy casings. You go there and buy bullets, your ammos, mm -hmm. right? And tolerance is a lot like that. It's like an empty casing. So what's that an empty casing of? Um, you aim for something that enables you to connect with people that you either disagree with or um, you might not want to work with. You, you, you try to do it. And if you aim for something higher and you fail, you still have tolerance. Or, and here's a more frightening um, possibility, um, you failed so badly that the society turned into living hell and people killed each other um, until one day uh, people said, that's enough is enough. Uh, we can't keep doing this anymore. Uh, so many of us have died already and, and, and it's, this is hell. This is hell. So let's not do that anymore. So you claw back up to something higher and the sort of a resting place between that higher and 
hell is tolerance. Historically, that's what happened, right? Uh, when the um, right. and this is I, 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 truly ironic um, when the Christian Reformation uh, actually caused Christians to kill each other over a span of say about a hundred years, um, people one day realized let's not kill each other for. The same religion, really, same interpretation of um, uh, different interpretation of the same religion. So, so what's what's the answer? Well, when we stop killing each other, maybe that's a step. So that's tolerance. But that's again, that isn't what you want to aim for, especially in a society where we haven't actually fallen into hell yet, right? So, what I wanted to say instead is. What was it that we are, or at least we should be, especially the Christian church, we should be aiming for so that even when we miss, we are left with tolerance, like like a true wow. sense of tolerance, right? I was. It makes me think of the Sermon on the Mount um, where mm-hmm. Jesus says, you know, you say, do not murder, but I say that when you hate someone, you've murdered them in your heart. I feel like that's like Jesus's kind of inaugural preach, and he's saying you have to go further than just not killing and not hurting people. That there's a heart issue behind it as well. That's kind of well, what yeah. I hear you saying. Yeah, um, that's that's quite it. that's quite it. I mean, um, when when I was studying in the U.S., uh, that's where I did my uh, PhD. Uh, there was um, there was a professor, uh, Glenn Stassen. Glenn Sasson, who was a Christian ethicist, and he wrote a book, uh, Kingdom Ethics. And one thing that, um, strangely enough, it, it, it didn't strike me as hard as it did before was um, the fact that what Jesus was teaching wasn't simply, here are some impossible moral rules. Uh, what, you can't do it? Well, I gotta, I, I gotta uh, uh, die for you then. That, that's not quite what he was doing. Yes, he did die for us, but the teachings that he was giving was something along the lines of, okay, look, if you trace out all of the ways in which you fall away from God and you fall away from the character of God, uh, here are some key heart issues that uh, that initiates the whole thing. So a murder, well, um, if you hate someone, well, and that's how uh, you can explain um, um, one, one of Jesus's strange statement when, when he says, if you call your brother a fool, right? You're, uh, you're in the fires of hell. And say, like, wow, that's harsh. That's harsh, Jesus. But no, what he, um, see, what he was actually saying was something like, and fool at that, um, in that specific language is uh, some uh, uh, statement that is made with complete contempt at a person, right? So if you, if you begin to treat someone you know with utter contempt, then mm. whether that person is contemptuous or not, it changes something in your heart. It devalues humanity around you. And if you start devaluing people around you, inevitably it starts devaluing yourself as well. And, and once you are on that road, if you don't watch out, then the fires of hell is somewhere before you. So watch out. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Anyway, um, so tolerance. You see, when I was thinking about tolerance and I th- um, started thinking about it um, when I started reading about other, like all the way back in high school, really. Um, but when I was going through all of these different worldviews and and saw how people argued uh 
against each other, um, I realized tolerance doesn't quite work. And the reason why I came up with the tolerance as a failed virtue um, um, insight was because I was wondering why doesn't it work? And it, here's what I mean. Um, if people say, I, I, I am tolerant, it's like, okay, um, what do you mean tolerant? Because if I, if I were to listen to someone and I sneer at them in contempt at their foolishness, right? Uh, sort of like Jesus warned, like sneer at them, but I don't hit them, right? Is that tolerance? And well, maybe, I mean, historically and, and, and technically speaking, it is tolerance, but but are you then really talking to the other person? Are you really conversing? Are you treating that other person as, well, a fellow human being in that sense, right? Um, and and tolerance has so much limits because we, we can say, yeah, I can be tolerant. And but but when it comes to things like uh, a topic that matters in your life, uh, the state of the environment, or so whichever social issues that really rile you up and you think is really important because it very likely is very important and you encounter someone who has very different view from you and they 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 disagree and they disagree uh, quite vocally and perhaps you think uh, disrespectfully, then how tolerant can you be? And this comes to a head when um, people need to get together to actually make a decision. It's like here's... Um, I'm going to choose something that doesn't cause as much fire as uh, it can be. So climate change, right? So let's let's make environmental regulation because you have to in one way or another. Like, do you have a, do you have some regulation or none? And if you have um, regulations and what sort? And you have to decide that as a society because, well, that's how society works. You can't simply say, well, I tolerate your views on um, um man-made climate change or or the degree of it or the lack of it, whichever. So if, if people say we tolerate that, well, that's nice and great, but then you have to vote. <laughs> then right. whatever vote will then affect your life, right? Yeah. So um, then what do you do? And this, this is then what happens uh, if you watch the news where um, these social issues come to a head you, um, and tolerance becomes very thin when it starts affecting your life. Then people's com- tones of conversation changes and and it gets more than just conversations and, and it goes downhill from there. So if you stay with tolerance, then it won't hold you up. Um, well, because it's an empty casing, right? So, okay, I'm going to take a break. Uh, any any questions for clarifications or any comments or anything? Yeah, uh, it's really I really enjoyed that episode. I believe episode two is where you brought up um, ha- aiming higher than tolerance. I believe is mm-hmm. what that's called, and I, I find it really encouraging just because our podcast back to one. Uh, I was thinking about these issues as you know we had an election recently, and oh yeah, uh, just realizing even amongst families, extended families, just how many different opinions you can find even in in and amongst the same family and realizing that as the body of Christ I don't think that Jesus all wants us to have the same opinion but I really felt like we were failing to have conversations well and so I, I had like a title idea I was thinking about starting a podcast even before I was friends with CJ called like healing the divide and through our relationship and CJ has different opinions than me we've we've come to this 
um, you know, disunity in that we want to see the same things happen in our world. We just don't always agree on how we're supposed to do them, uh, which it kind of leads us into the next question we want to ask you um, is that like, how do we actually move beyond tolerance? How do we grow in our ability to fruitfully disagree, which is a term you also brought up in that podcast? Right. Well, um, how do we move beyond tolerance? Um, with great difficulty mm-hmm. and a lot of grace. Yeah, um, definitely. A lot of grace from from um, God toward us, but then again, a lot of grace that we then would need to have toward other people. But if you if you really think about it, um, here's how grace works, at least as far as I'm concerned, um, at least when we practice it, right? We think we're being gracious, but... Um, Probably not. <laughs> it's uh, compared to Jesus. Like, no, no, we are we are not being gracious. We are we are being less heartless. <laughs> but we then call that gracious, I would say. Um, but perhaps I'm being um, more cynical than I should be. But I, I think I think we need to understand that um, we. We can be more gracious than than we imagine ourselves to be. Well, here's what I said, um, and I think you listened to that in the episode. Um, and I said, if you're so, we are aiming higher than tolerance. So, what were we aiming for? Well, I said love. But here's a here here's an important warning, right? I, important caveat because we use the word love a lot uh, in a terrible way. Like we, I'm hurting you because I love you. It's like, yes, yes. I, I mean. It's, it, People are not lying when they do that, but but that's that's an abusive love. We know what we we know what we're talking about when we say abusive love. I mean, we right. we read about it, uh, we hear about it, perhaps we lived it, right? So need something more, like more substance, and that's uh, so one way to think about it would be, well, one way to think about it would be to uh, see it in the example of Jesus, but if. That seems a bit daunting. Um, first letter to the Corinthians that Apostle Paul says sort of brings it down um, to a more manageable level, I suppose. Uh, and he says, and you hear this often at weddings, um, but w- when I said at weddings and heard them, I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is just for married couples. Uh, and it isn't because mm-hmm. um, Apostle Paul is saying, look, um, Corinthians, Church of Corinth, uh, this is how you are to act toward each other. And the reason why he did that, uh, if you read the letter, uh, everyone at, um, everyone Corinth had opinions. <laughs> they they said, mm-hmm. I follow Paul or I follow Paulus. Uh, uh, here's, here's my side of things. And many of them were educated. So I'm like, look, you should listen to me. And no, you should listen to me. It's like, no, you're wrong. And Apostle Paul basically went, came back and said, well, not came back. He wrote back and said, that's not what's important. <laughs> Um, mm. Don't 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 divide yourself among um, um, who to follow and what idea to uh, uh, go for and uh, which which philosophy is is the best. Uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't think, right? Apostle Paul was one of the foremost thinkers of his time, but he said, "Look, you need to." I'm pra- paraphrasing his message here, but you need to shape your thoughts and the way you. Respond to each other. Yeah, do it thoughtfully, but shape it with love that you've learned from Christ. And that's the context of um, the Corinthians uh, chapter 13, where he says, here's what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
it does not envy it does not boast it it does it, it doesn't it doesn't go for zing i got a point right no it's like it does not boast it's not proud it doesn't dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres so Rule of thumb is, when we are conversing, instead of saying, well, I should be tolerant, no, no, rather, uh, when you're engaging with the other person, are you being patient? Are you looking to score points, right? Are you, are you trying to just prove yourself right and prove the other side wrong? I mean, yes, truth is important. Paul does say that. It's like, yes, it rejoices with the truth. But if you're really rejoicing with the truth and not, proving that you are true and the others are false, that's that's an important distinction, right? Then it will not boast. Uh, you won't try to dishonor the other person. Um, nor will you get angry when your argument doesn't seem to be working, right? Um, then, and then he says, it always protects. And it doesn't mean protect yourself. Like, it always protects those you love. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always, why persevere? Well, Doing it like that is hard. Engaging other people with sincerity is hard, but you need to persevere because if you don't persevere, if this is a momentary thing, then then your love was not mature, right? And there's a there's a word trust part, and this is one that I wanted to discuss specifically. Um, so one of my students um, uh, in the past, he took my Christianity and Science class at University of Toronto. He's an atheist. Um, but he was also, um, he's, he did really great in the class, by the way. So he, uh, he's an interesting person. He's like, yeah, I like, I, I like your class. Then, then he came and visited the church that I was pastoring. Um, then he came to the retreat. It's, it's not like he became Christian, right? He's an atheist, but he's like, yeah, I want to, I want to see what's going on. Um, and he had a conversation. Uh, we recently had a conversation through email, um, about, about you know political strife and and he's much more liberal obviously uh, than your average um, person that you might find in the church. Um, well, no, maybe. Well, whatever. So he's uh, and he's and he said, um, well, uh, you 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 caution both the people on the right and on the left about this political strife, basically. Um, well, I'm paraphrasing his statement, but you, you do that. But um, I don't think the left is doing anything wrong. Um, so so uh, my response so far has been, and I'm still conversing, um, actually, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, oh, the left is better than the right, right is better than the left. Like, that's, that's, I don't really talk politics. That's, that's, that, that's not really something that I'm terribly interested in. But what I'm pointing out is that... Um, what happened in the recent few months, especially in the U.S., because I was using that as an example. So Canadian talking about the U.S., sorry. Uh, but <laughs> I said, what really concerns me is that the recent development showed lack of trust. And it's a very specific configuration of the lack of trust. And here's what I mean. Um, most of what we know, like most of what we believe and know, is based on trust, like 99%, 99.9%. And this is this is true even on even in things like uh, 
in areas that we think we know very well, right? Um, I mean, the things, almost everything we do is based on trust. The reason why we are sitting here looking at each other and, and doing this podcast because we trust in the science that, um, that makes our computers and the system work, right? We sit on our chairs because we trust. I mean, there's some part that's also part of our experiential knowledge. Like when we sat on the chair before, it didn't break apart. If it did break, then then you you watch out every time you sit for the next several days, um, and that's true. But most of the things that we know, uh, say, where are you right now? Um, which town? In Tacoma, like Washington. US. Tacoma, Washington. Right. Yeah. So I've never been. Yeah. And I can look at on on the map, but do I really know that Tacoma, Washington, is that place on uh, in that in in the U.S.? Um, no. I trust the map. Um, do I, even the stuff that I, so I, like I have a PhD in theology, great, but 99% of what I say is based on what other people, uh, what other people have researched that I'm building on, right? So how do I know? It's, it's not like I went and looked at those things. Um, I read them and I trust the authors. So here's, here's where it comes back, right? If you want to have a conversation that doesn't break apart, then you need to have some level of trust with people you converse with. And this is especially true when you are conversing with people who disagree with you or you have different opinions from you or they're from a quote-unquote different side. And here's what happens when a vast number of people stop believing in everyone outside their tribe, right? Because you get news from the other side. But if you say, well, I think they're lying. This isn't even like uh, you, you don't have evidence. You, it's, it's, it's like, okay, you show me all these facts, but I don't believe you because you might be lying about the facts. So if you distrust that and if you get to that level of distrust, then there's a rebound because you need to fill in your knowledge from somewhere. And, and you, that's all from trust. So if there's some terrible person in your own side, because there can be terrible people who says the same kind of things that you like them to say, but they're still terrible people because there can be terrible people everywhere. If they come up and say, you know what? I can say the right words, but then I can lie and they'll still believe me because they think I'm part of them. Then people become completely vulnerable to lies precisely because we don't trust enough people. It's, 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 It's a paradox, but it's very critical. And... What I was saying, so I was saying, again, back to my student, um, I'm saying I am actually worried that people don't trust each other enough. I mean, you don't have to be a complete, like, completely naive person that fall for every scam. You don't need to do that, right? You can sort of look at people, take take things with a grain of salt or maybe a tablespoon um, a spoon full of salt. <laughs> do people even use that statement anymore? Anyway, so you can do that, sure, but trust enough to have a meaningful conversation because if you don't, then you will get scammed by people you you quote unquote trust. Wow. And going back to the conversation, toleration is not enough. You need love, and you need the kind of love that you are willing to place yourself. Because if you trust, then you make yourself vulnerable to a bit. Because it, yes, there's always a chance that someone can lie to you, or at least lie partially. But you still need to go out there and and place some trust in the other person that differs from you then then you can get somewhere wow hmm. as it's it's so big to me that that listening is such a big part of what you're talking about is actually being able to listen and hear hmm. the other side um 
part of that trust is actually believing, listening, hearing what the other person is saying and not just reacting to what they're saying based on maybe like political hot words that inflame you. And I think that is really easy when the political hot words are not very inflammatory towards you until you're talking about like you're saying the thing that you're really passionate about. If it's like animal rights or if it's, you know, the environment or whatever it is that you're very passionate about and often multiple things, um, I could see how it would be harder to hear someone who has a drastically different point than you. Um, I really like that you brought up um, love is patient. And love is kind because we've been discussing this and it makes sense to me why they bring it up in marriages because in order to be in unity with someone, unless you're going to live in different tribes and separate yourself, which generally doesn't work very well in marriages, um, you have to be patient. You have to listen. You have to be kind. And so I think in some ways, if you have two different denominations and you live in two different places, it's easier for me to disagree with you and then just move on with my life. But I think when it comes to having an election, when it comes to the church maybe having more authority collectively on issues and working together, we're going to have to learn how to have some of these conversations so that when we have to work together, it's not so damaging um, and maybe surprising for people that are like, whoa, I thought the church is supposed to look like Jesus and they seem like they're bickering and fighting over all these minor issues and dividing their churches and dividing families. And so I think it's just amazing that the first step is patience and there's humility and there's, there's listening to the other side and actually trusting that they have something good to say, even if I fundamentally disagree with what you're saying. Yeah. And this is, this is critical for the church because the church has a lot of challenges that it needs to face at the best of times, right? When when Jesus yeah. um, looks at his disciples and, and he says, go out into the world, uh, go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel of a man who was crucified and, ro- um, and, and rose again on, um, on the third day. Uh, that's, that's already a very, very, very difficult challenge that you, you need all the power and the spirit and the grace of God to go with. But then you fight amongst yourselves like, wow, um, this isn't something you can do while you're at each other's throats. Mm. Um, So, yeah, you need you need that. You need to be able to love each other. That's that's the to to really hear the other side, to really hear from people and listen to people that you disagree with and actually get them. Because that's that's the important part. Because if you don't get them, you're not going to have a conversation. Right. Um, you think you might disagree with the other person, but are you sure you disagree? Because remember, you don't understand what they're saying, right? Um, and if you don't understand the other side, then you don't really know what you're disagreeing about, let alone how to then move forward. And, but, but actually trying to understand the other side, especially when people have different worldviews and you need to like start from the complete beginning and and construct what they're trying to say um brick by brick really then what will motivate you can't be tolerance it has to be love love at least in the sense that i think you're a person worth engaging and even if you have seemingly crazy ideas i think 
there's something in your heart, and this is especially especially true if the person you're engaging is supposed to be Christian, right? So there's there's Jesus in your heart, right? That's that's what you're saying if you're saying um, the other person's a Christian, right? That's what Christian Christians are defined by. That if you take away everything that defines you, at the core is Jesus Christ. That's what makes you a Christian. So. So when you look at the other person and they, you disagree with them, but if you say they're a Christian, then you mean you're talking with some version of Jesus. It might be a very immature version of Jesus, but some version of Jesus. And what that means is that then you're worth talking to. And even if they're not Christian, um, Christ, um, our Christian faith says everyone is created in the image of God. So you're talking with some version of the revelation of God. And if that's wow. the case, then, well, you might be, you, you should have some motivation to be patient and, and listen and work out where they're coming from. And then you can have a conversation. And after that conversation, you can figure out how to work together or disagree fruitfully. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Dr. Paul Snow Chung. In our next episode, we continue the conversation by talking about how Jesus models a virtue higher than tolerance and how the church should follow in his footsteps. Remember to subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode.